This is Gleb Saporsky. I'm a professor at the Ohio State University and the president of Intentional Insights and the founder of the Pro-Truth Pledge, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dalamore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right, welcome to episode 299 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me, that tired, tired lady, hashtag tired laid, Brittany Page. <laughs> it's so funny because I keep getting messages and tweets with variations of hashtag laid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hashtag special laid classy laid hashtag classy laid it's Dumb great laid. yeah i <laughs> i i love that people are responding to hashtag whatever laid well it's, it's great it's something you say all the time uh without the hashtag yes yeah, i right. uh i i do say laid short for lady yes i'm just a dumb laid exactly which is often ironical Ironical. Yeah, it's ironical. Uh huh. You say it I- ironically because that was a joke. Uh-huh. You-, you say it ironically because you know a lot of misogynists think, "Oh, you're just a dumb lady. You don't know what you're doing." Yeah. So you just embrace it. I'm just a dumb lady. I can't understand smart things. Yeah, like when someone was surprised that I was able to make a double-sided copy. Oh, did you? You were able to? You figured that out? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I figured that out. I can also breathe without thinking about it. Yeah. Again. It's kind of what I do. I've seen Mad Men. Uh, <laughs> we're good. Okay. Uh, I was trying to think of her name. Uh, Joan. Joan. That's right. Yeah. There's all kinds of secretaries, though. You'd... Who actually spent some time in real life in Idaho. Oh. Like grew up in Twin Falls as a kid. Huh. Or something. That's a bummer. Yeah. So, speaking of dumb lades. Yeah. Let me say... Sometimes I'm very proud of Brittany Page. (laughs) Today was actually one of those days in a grocery store. Actually, Mm -hmm. it wasn't today. Mm -hmm. A few days ago. Yeah. In a grocery store. Mm -hmm. Checking out. And there's some kind of a... It it always is this way. Maybe it's this way for you, too. Whatever line you pick in the grocery store, inevitably... Something's going to fucking happen that it's going to tie the lineup. Somebody's going to be returning something. Somebody is going to be disputing whatever. They're going to have a fucking coupon from 1982 that doesn't work and they demand that it be credited. I think you're just remembering the times. Something goes on. More overwhelming Maybe than the times that things don't happen. My bad luck. Yeah. Well, this was the case the other day. Yeah, we got in line and there was an older woman cashier. And I was waiting and she was finishing up with the guy in front of me. And as he was going to leave, she said to him, and we disagree on what was said here, but the gist of what it was is he was using an EBT card. Like food stamps card. And she said, next time, just tell us up front that you're using an EBT card and we won't charge you for the bag. And you think she said we won't charge you for the tax. Yeah. Whatever happened, they... They they had to refund money onto his food stamps card. 
his right. EBT card. And so... And she was uh, chastising him, letting him know, hey, next time, just announce that you have an EBT card prior to the sale and we won't we won't have to go through this mess. Well, I want to explain. So when she said, let us know, and what I think I heard is we won't charge you for the bag. In the state of California... They pass legislation that you now have to pay 10 cents for a bag if you need a bag, if you're not bringing your own bag to the grocery store. Yeah, a plastic or a paper grocery bag. Yeah, so that's They're what I think They're trying to encourage said. everybody to bring their own. Right, but 10 cents is not a, a punishment. Right. It's not enough to undo a very long time of, of programming. Of not bringing your own bag to the grocery store. Because we continue to not bring our bag. Yeah. So anyway, um, when she said this, it was very upsetting because why would someone <laughs> tell her up front? Typically, when people use these things, they're trying to hurry up through the line. They're trying not to draw attention to themselves. Yeah. They don't want to be recognized as someone that's using government assistance. And I was sitting there the whole time debating on whether or not I should say something to her just to let her know, hey. And what would you have said? Because the guy had already left and we were up in our position getting checked out for whatever it was. I just would have said, hey, you know, you said that loud enough to where I could overhear. And some people may be embarrassed to tell you that they're using right. EBT. So well, maybe also, you want to find a new method. It's of, also no one else's business that he's on public assistance. Yeah. And I, I remember when I was a kid and my mom was on food stamps and we would go to the grocery store and it used to not just be an automatic thing where you could swipe it and they knew they had to like put something in the computer before you could scan to run it as food stamps. Sure. And so they would always ask my mom, oh, is that, is that debit? Or food stamps <laughs> and yell it. In your head, that's the way it was. Or was that really how it was? <laughs> I, well, kids are sensitive. I think that that's how it was sometimes. Yeah. Hmm. And it was really traumatic for me. To the, it got to the point where I would help my mom put the groceries on the, on the conveyor belt. And then I'd say, hey, I'm out of here. I'm going to go wait in the car yeah. because there's people from my school here and I don't need them getting on the intercom and saying my name and then food. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, it's, it, like, it's like you, you have 150 things to check out. Everything goes through fine. And then it's, hey, uh, Gary, can I get a price check on adult diapers Yeah, over here on aisle 16 with the, the guy and the, the kids and the, you know, he d describes, it would be embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. so I, I didn't end up saying anything. And the reason that I didn't, again, I was not even paying attention to the interaction we were having because in my mind, I was just going over, should I do this? What would happen? And the reason that I didn't say anything to her is because she was an older woman um, over the age of 65, I would say. And I just felt that she would be yeah. reluctant to accept. She was... She Any was, kind of criticism or... She was one of these ladies. Look, next time, next time tell us you're using food stamps so we won't have to go through this. She was one of those. Yeah. That might be spot on. If her husband was here, he might think she's in the room. Mm. That's how accurate that imitation was. Perfect. <laughs> so well, Let me say, Relative to your experience as a kid, mm -hmm. it was even rougher when I was a kid. Yeah. Because there was actual, like, fucking Monopoly money that you had to tear out of a little fucking stamp book. Uh-huh. They were, like, the shape of dollars. Yeah. But they 
were colored like Monopoly money. Mm-hmm. Like the ones were like a weird shit brown color. Yeah. They were different. It was very weird. And yeah. so. Drawing but, attention. Yeah. And then if you had like non-food items, mm-hmm. you would have to separate that. So you, so poor people would have t- even more of a spectacle. You would have two separate transactions. Yeah. Well, you would still have to do that today. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Because the card only covers food items. Right, right. But it so, was, our government has not done a good job of saving poor people from the scourge of embarrassment and ridicule. Right. Being on public assistance. Yeah. And I've had discussions where people try to claim that people aren't ashamed and flaunt it. No, come right? on. I've heard these these narratives. And no, uh, no, I've never met anyone that feels that way. And I know that's not a good measure of whether or not it's a reality, but being someone that was on it, I know that's also not a good measure of whether or not it's a reality, but I'm I'm sure there are people out there who are immune from embarrassment about it, but but flaunting it, they're the outliers at best, like turning to the other people in the line. Hey, taxpayers. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, bros. Getting ready to run this card. Well, I got a (laughs) cart full of Snickers bars, fuckers. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what people think, that there are people that exist like that. And that seems highly, highly improbable. I've never I mean, there have been times when I've looked at people's carts and been like, man, they should be eating better. They're poor. They should be eating a lot of, you know, like you always say, Swanson frozen dinners and stuff. Oh, I had banquet meals. Banquet meals. Dollars sometimes. And it's never like, ah, fucking poor people with their seafood. Goddamn. It's never that. It's always like, man, they really should be eating better. Well, even if they had seafood, that's nutritious. No, I'm not. I've never been one of those. Yeah. So there's people that want to take those things away, but that's nutritious. That's good for families. So anyway, coincidentally, we got an email this week. We did. That is kind of butts right up against this. Yes. Karen wrote to us and said, could you please address this on the show? Lunch shaming schools in America stamping lunch money on poor kids. I was appalled when I heard about this. I worked as a secretary in an elementary school and the principal I worked under would never tolerate such an evil practice. In fact, the principal, vice principal and myself would anonymously add money to kids accounts out of our own pockets so they would not have to be embarrassed at the lunch counter. Every time I think humans can't disappoint me any further, they manage to hit a new low. Pretty pretty alarming. Yeah, so I looked this up, and apparently this happened to a second grader at a school in Phoenix, Arizona, and they stamped the child's inner wrist with the phrase lunch money, so that they could alert the parents. I mean, what, what better way to alert the parents than put a stamp on his arm? I know when I'm behind on a bill, you know, Verizon comes over and stamps on my arm, delinquent. Right. It's it's just not the way even adults get treated. Yeah. We shouldn't be tagging our children like fucking cattle with a with a with a stamp in their ear. Yeah. So this is pretty frustrating. And there have been a few stories recently of school lunch controversy, right? Where a woman oh, got fired or something recently. Yeah, for giving away free lunches to kids who had accounts that were past due. They were supposed to get like only cheese sandwiches or something. Yeah. And she's like, no, fuck that. We'll just give them a hot meal. Well, and they shit can her. Yeah. I mean, she was also, I think, the way I remember the story, also giving free meals to her grandkids, which is not <laughs> part of the deal. Yeah. But. You know, helping out the poor kids. Come on. 
Yeah. So if the policy is to give the poor kids who don't have money the same type of lunch so they're all recognized as the poor kids who have no money, that seems like a problem. Right. And when I was in or when my sisters were in elementary school because they were um, younger than me. They probably still are younger than you. They are still younger than me. Uh, <laughs> what a dick. So uh, they they were on the poor kid list or whatever, and they were sponsored to receive winter coats for free. And all of the poor kids got the same winter coat. It was oh, a, yeah. a puffy, damn. light blue coat. It's a poor kid coat. Yeah. So when you looked on the playground, you could just see all the poor kids that got the free winter coat. Wearing wow. the puffy blue coat. You so think adults would be more forward looking, thinking about, I mean, look, it's great that those kids got a free coat, but it creates an underlying problem that they probably didn't anticipate and should have. Yeah. And I'm not sure why adults don't think about this. Look, for me, even as a kid, because I was on free lunch like in elementary school, and I remember getting my lunch ticket was a different color. Mm-hmm. So you walk up with like your pink ticket or whatever color it was. Yeah. And you're the fucking free lunch kid. You're the poor kid. Oh, here's my poor lunch. And then there were three colors. You had full rich kid color. And then you had reduced priced color, mm-hmm. which was like yellow or something. And then full ass poor kid pink or whatever. Yeah. And it was a bummer. It was very embarrassing. And then apparently at some point they, they, they caught on and they switched it. But then when you got to the person who punched your ticket, mm-hmm. they would punch your your freebie ticket because it had some code on it. And then they would turn and t- mark a giant tally on their big free kid, poor kid list. Yeah. So everybody knew. And kids pay attention to this oh, shit. Oh, they for sure do. Yeah. And especially kids that are prone to bullying or things like that, yes. right? They're going to pick up on these things and these kids might become targets. Not me. Not a little tiny skinny redheaded ginger boy. <laughs> I didn't get ever teased, Brittany. I'm sure bullying was not a part of uh, the the metric of my childhood. Yeah, <laughs> just automatically the top of the class. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was the cool kid in yes. <laughs> didn't even have to try. Just came naturally, right? Wow. Good times. God damn! I wish I was the cool kid. Yeah. So, Still, I wish I was the cool kid. So. I don't at all, by the way. Karen, thank you for your email. And I'm right there with you on feeling angry about this. Um, but hopefully the more that people talk about it and talk about their experiences, it will help people become more compassionate yeah. toward this issue. Yes. I think a lot of times the the lack of compassion here is people who haven't in- experienced this and are angry with the parents, right? So a lot of this is... Similar to other welfare arguments where, well, I don't want to have to give handouts to an adult. Okay, well, think of your handout as going to a child then. Will that help you? That's is funny. that a little I, easier for you? I have that written down here and didn't mention it. That parents are on public assistance, not kids. Right. The kids, they are tangentially or directly, a, they're, they're uh, benefiting from the assistance, but they didn't go down and sign up. They're right. not the one who's poor. Yeah. Um. Excuse me, second grader. Can you please put your routing number and bank account number on this form? Yeah. I, <laughs> it's not going to get deposited directly into the kid's account. It's still going to go through the parent. That's but the right. point is, it's going to go to help the kid. So all these Republicans out there who are all pro-life 
You gotta have that baby, doll. Oh no, you got raped. Ooh, gotta have that baby. I don't know what voice that is. I, I don't know. I think it would sound a little better. It really, yeah. Yeah. You gotta have that baby, child. <laughs> Yeehaw! No abortion. Full effect. But mm-hmm. once the kid's born, fuck that kid. No, we're not gonna chip in for its lunch, even though we made it illegal for you to take care of biz when it was three weeks in. Right. There's a lot of issues here that need to be addressed within the ethos, the general philosophies and ideologies of the conservative Republican Party. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's. we'd love to hear what you have to say about that. We'll give the number a little later. I'm sure you already have it program, programmed into your phone, though, so good times. Let's. We have another couple in tandem email slash voicemail that we want to talk about now. This one is from Liz in Kentucky. I just hit the pause button on the podcast, hashtag third show, where you were responding to the voicemail on why women allow themselves to be controlled by the men in their lives. The Bible says a lot of things that Christians in today's time know are wrong, so they gloss over, justify, or ignore them. They don't marry their rapists, they get divorced, cut their hair, women work, and drive themselves to the seafood restaurant in their poly cotton blend clothing. You get the idea. So good. So when men and women choose to follow customs from the quote-unquote good book that suppress the liberties of themselves and others, they are showing who they really are in my mind. Because if they truly want to find a workaround from these scriptures, they can, and they do. Just one free thinking, kind of angry, but working on it, former fundamentalist opinion. Hashtag ham sandwiches for everyone. (laughs) Love y'all. Liz from Kentucky. I love Liz. Let me tell you, there's a lot to unpack there. And go easy, Liz from Kentucky, because I used to be where you are right now relative to the bitter and pissed off guy angry on Facebook about religion. And I've, you know, I, I respect where you are and I get it. And I'm not, I'm not telling you not to be there, but for me coming out of religion, I describe it as kind of the stages of grief. And one of them is pissed off and it'll take some time and eventually it'll soften. And hopefully you come around and to not be pissed off because being pissed off is a bummer. You, you come around to kind of where I am, hopefully, which is, be religious, do your thing, as long as you're not stepping on the necks of people like gays and lesbians and transgender people in this country, blacks, whoever marginalized populations that might be affected by your particular nutter buttery, then do your thing. I know a lot of, look, we interviewed Mark Russell on the show just the other day, and that, that is a decent human being who is also a Christian. And Mark Trailer. Yeah, so they're out there. By the millions, they're out there. Yeah. They're just the silent. They're, they're a silent faction within their, their faith. Well, we don't so. notice them as much because they aren't pissing Liz off. That's right. <laughs> Thanks for the email. Now on to the voicemail that is also related to this. And also, oh, here, let me give a little, little rundown here. The other day, Dan from Oceanside called, and he talked about his parents, and he talked about his mom making excuses for Donald Trump and they're evangelical and just this weird subservient thing that there's a strain of that running through the Bible in many, many different places, both Old and New Testament. Anyway, this is his sister calling to talk about his call. 
Hi, this is Candace from Escondido, and I am Dan from Oceanside Sister. It was really interesting to hear Dan's phone call on Friday uh, about women in evangelical Christianity. I escaped evangelical Christianity much more recently than Dan did, but uh, as a woman who grew up in that world and grew up obviously in the same world that Dan did, I was just told always that as a woman, it was my responsibility to submit to my pastor, who was always a man, or my dad, or to my future husband. Um, I wasn't given a choice in the matter, and it wasn't framed as, as something that I could make a decision about. It was simply, this is the way the world is, and if you want to be within God's will, then this is the way that you live your life. Uh, I was kind of taught that, you know, for for marriage, I needed to be a, an obedient wife. I needed to follow what my husband wanted, or he would cheat on me, or he would treat me badly because I wasn't deserving of being treated well because I was a human being, because I was a woman, which is somehow a little bit less than being a human being and being a man. Um, I, I, I don't know what the what else to say about that. It's just simply a matter of until you get out of that world, you don't realize how abusive it is or how ridiculous it is. Um, and it was mainstream Christianity that we were raised in. It wasn't like we were in a super fundamentalist cult or anything. It was the whole, you know, 1970s Calvary Chapel, Harvest. Um, we went to a Southern Baptist mega church that is a big part of the Southern Baptist Convention. It's pretty mainstream. And that's that's just the world that you are raised into when you are female and you are in evangelical Christianity. I don't know that any studies have necessarily been done on that, but I, I do know that it's not so much a compulsion for needing to buy into this as a matter of you're told that you are out of God's will and de facto going to hell if you don't do it right. So just my two cents. Love the show. Uh, oh, Jesse. Yes, you are correct. My parents hate the Clintons, and my dad would never dream of saying anything about women the way that Donald Trump has said things about women. But, uh, Brittany, you're the best part. Love the show. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. So that was pretty on track with, I think, what we were talking about last time, right? Yeah, yeah. Where a lot of it comes down to the indoctrination that, that women receive. That is what it is. And it actually, the end of her voicemail there reminded me of the... You mean the, the Britney's the best part part? No, no, no. The, the <laughs> Something about hell. I don't remember what it was, but uh, we saw a church sign today and it said, uh, is it heaven or is it hell? Come in to find out. Come in to find out. <laughs> I'll be right in. Can't wait. <laughs> Can't wait. Let's figure this out. Well, they attest to be some kind of an LGBT affirming yeah. faith, mm -hmm. which is fucking nonsense. I mean, I'm not going to get into it, but I'm not. I know. I'm, yeah. getting, I'm getting the shut the fuck up look from Brittany. Well, you have a smile on your face, which is nice. <laughs> it's a change. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do we uh, do we have a, an email? Yeah. So we have a couple of correction emails here. Oh, you know what? I was going to say, oh, I love corrections. But then I, it was going to come out kind of dickish. Yeah. I do love corrections. Yeah, so we have two correction emails and then one email that I can't really classify. All so right. we'll let's, get to that. Let's get to, the, let's get to the corrections. 
Dear Jesse, I guess I'm left out of this one. On a recent episode of the podcast, you listed you listed some states that fought to own slaves. Yep. In that list, you said West Virginia. Yes, I did. I am from West Virginia, born and raised. West Virginia does have a list of problems a mile long. One thing, though, is that West Virginia split off from Virginia to become its own state during the Civil War. The people in the western part of the state did not want to join the Confederacy. So West Virginia became its own state to join the Union. It is understandable for people to think that West Virginia fought for the South, but they are wrong. It is weird for me to be a liberal atheist here in West Virginia, but things here are not all bad. If you ever visit the state, you should try the local delicacy pepperoni rolls. Let's go Mountaineers. Yours truly, Seth. P.S. Brittany's the best part. Pepperoni rolls. (laughs) Delicacy. Those two words in string of words should not belong in the same sentence. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's tasty. So, uh, Big Sexy on Twitter, at JoshDan87, also said West Virginia was in the union just saying LOL. Yeah. And I replied, and this will be my reply here, that uh, I was wrong. And he, he said, oh, you know, I don't mean to be a dick. I said, no, I didn't take it that way. Being wrong is okay. Staying wrong is unforgivable. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And, and what happened in that moment, although I did not know, I was just going through a mental map. And if you, those of you who will remember how I did it, I started with like Georgia and went down the line, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas, Missouri. I just went from from east to west and then back from west to east across, and then I, I named West Virginia in there. So mm-hmm. my bad. I was wrong. I don't mind being corrected. Fuck, wrong is wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be wrong. Yeah. When it happens, let's, let's, uh, let's all move on together. That is good. And we certainly don't want to give bad information here. Right. Next email. This is from Jessica, and I'm not going to read the whole thing because I didn't do a word count on this, but it's probably somewhere between 25,000 and 30,000 words. Uh, Probably not that long, but very long. Yeah. Okay. It could be a novel. So, hello, Jesse and Brittany. In episode 298, a caller ended his call saying that the Civil War was not fought to end slavery. Jesse, you went on to say that the Civil War was fought to end end slavery, blah, 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 blah. And then you went on to bitch about states' rights. Did you blah, 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 or did she blah, blah, blah? She blah, blah, blah. She blah, blah, blah. Yes. Okay. So, she's saying that I blah, 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 blah. Yes. All right. I think you missed the caller's point. Delaware, Maryland, Kentucky, and Missouri were all slave states that were loyal to the Union during the Civil War. When Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation, it did not apply to these slave states because they were a part of the Union. So if the Civil War was fought to end slavery, why didn't the, why didn't the Emancipation Proclamation also apply to slave states in the Union? It's very frustrating as a black American when I hear people speak about the Civil War as if it was a war fought by noble white Americans from the North to free the African slaves. This may be true for a handful of whites, but this was not the initial objective of the Civil War. Unlike the southern states, the northern states' economy did not depend significantly on slave labor. So Lincoln, freeing the slaves in the Confederate states, was a military tactic to weaken the economy in those southern states. Though Lincoln was an abolitionist, he did not believe blacks and whites were equal, and his first objective in winning the Civil War was not to free the slaves. This is evident in the fact that he was willing to compromise the freedom of the blacks in the slave states that were a part of the Union. 
So from my perspective, as a black American, and probably the perspective of the caller, the Civil War was not fought for the benefit of my ancestors. It was fought for the benefit of white Americans. Freeing the slaves was a second thought. Okay. Well, let me, let me dive into this because there's a lot of nuance here. When I was speaking, I don't disagree with anything you said, Jessica. N not a single word. But when I was speaking, I was talking about what the South was fighting for. The South was fighting for the right to own other human beings. You're right. I think the North was fighting for uh, keeping the Union together for an economic purpose. But that's not why the South was fighting. The South was fighting so they could continue to own other human beings. So there were two motives at work here. The war was being fought for one reason by the North and another reason entirely by the South. Now, of course, it is economic for the South. But that economic reason rests solely on their quote-unquote right to own other human beings, a.k.a. slavery. So, the South was fighting the war for about slavery, and the North was fighting to keep the economic cohesion of a unified United States of America. I don't disagree with anything you said. Now to me. Oh, oh, you get a little bit of this. <laughs> in that same This is the kind of email I like. In that same episode, you said white supremacy is not a thing. Though I think I may understand what you're saying, I want to challenge you on that because to me white supremacy is very real and a thing that has affected many American and non-American lives. Mm. Historically, this country has favored white people based on the idea that the white race is a superior race and from that a system of privilege and racism has been established. I strongly feel that once we acknowledge that white supremacy is truly a thing, then we can combat the effects of it. On your show, you've acknowledged that white privilege exists. Then where do you think white privilege originates from? <laughs> Thanks for your time. I enjoy your show. You guys have a great day. Jessica. I see. I think I see where she's coming from here, but I think she she's. I'll let you explain, but I think she's misinterpreting what she heard the wrong way. Well, I said white supremacy is not a thing. So right. the definition of white supremacy is the belief that white people are superior to those of other races, especially the black race, and should therefore dominate society. And that is not a real thing. There is no... White people are not superior to other races. Hence, white supremacy isn't a real thing. Right. So now, there is a movement of white supremacy. Yes. And white supremacy uh, based again, like tangentially related to white privilege, right. is for sure a thing. Yeah, and so... Me, but it's not because of a real... I'm sorry, go ahead. So me saying that it's not a thing is that these people who are trying to advance the narrative that whites are superior, well, they're not. So, they're so they're that's, fucking wrong. That's what I was getting at. I do believe white privilege is a thing, and absolutely. Um, and there is a movement of white supremacy. Right. But it's based on the fallacy that whites are superior. Right. Which is just not right. Right. Yeah. Thanks for the email, Jessica. What an awesome email. Look, we don't mind being, you want to shit on us a little bit. That's good. Yeah, well, we're going to get shit on again here, so don't get ahead, Another, ahead of yourself. An, I thought but, our email was over. Well, no, it. Well, I, I only left out two parts of it. Because it was a long email. So sorry about that, Jessica. I'm I'm getting a little parched. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. Um, so this email is from Marla. Marla. I enjoy your show. Well, that's nice. Strangely enough, I find Britney to be incredibly sexy. That's kind of shitty and kind of nice. Strangely it's enough. strange that she would find you a, a sexy? Sign, I guess. So good, uh-huh. shitty, back to good. Yes. What's next? Your merchandising is also a plus. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I was going to order one of your made in China coffee cups. Uh, that might be considered a bad mark. You know, to make America great again. But fear a nuclear war will break out any second now, so I'll have to pass. <laughs> your interviews are boring. Oh, that's that's not nice at all. But your sardonic wit makes up for it. That is a, a friendly little love tap right so there. So less insight and more cynicism, please. Wow. I don't know how to take that. That's half shitting right in my mouth and half eh, giving us a little bit of props. Sorry you hate the interviews. Listen... We're working on it, okay? It's hard to interview people. Also, no. No. She's wrong. Our interviews aren't boring. I I, I reject that out of hand. It, it, listen, once in a while, if, if there's a segment that you're not super tuned to, all right, fuck, whatever. The interviews are good. <laughs> so, good times. Marla, thank you. Jessica, thank you. Seth, thank you. Liz. Karen, you guys are all awesome. Uh, and Candace was the other voicemail, That's right? right. So we appreciate all of you. Thank you. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. Michael and Tina. Michael and Tina. Beautiful. Come on down. Beautiful <laughs> Patreon and PayPal supporters. Thank you so much for your contribution. You guys are awesome. We really appreciate it. We are, listen, next episode is 300 episodes. And we've been making jokes and talking. Even I, the audience has even jumped in on Facebook posts and emails and, fa and Facebook messages and tweets about hashtag third episode. But we had a good time last week. We put yeah. out five episodes last week. Uh huh. And although it's a, it's a lot of work. Yeah, it was a lot. We had a good time, and we do it. It, it is. It, this is going to sound super just fucking cheese tastic. But it is a labor of, labor of love. Mm -hmm. Why are you giving me the shit face? <laughs> I just, I'm thinking of Tobias Fouquet right now. How did I say that? Tobias Fouquet? Yeah. Douche chill. <laughs> <laughs> I need to break that out. I have that as a drop. Yeah. It's all the fuck we need. <laughs> uh, Dan, will, Dan will hold it down. So uh, it is a labor of love. When we do... The extra content and, you know, this last week doing five episodes, we do have you guys in mind. And we really do hope you enjoy it. And as much shit as uh, she was giving us about the... Marla. Marla was giving us about the... Uh, <laughs> about boring interviews. Eh, you know what? E even if you think they're a little boring sometimes, they're going to get better. We're going to get better guests. Yeah. The, the, the more that you guys reach out to people on Twitter... 
the more that you reach out to people that you want us to interview, and the more we interview, the better they're going to get. I went into immediately blaming myself, like just like a delicate laid would. I did not. Hashtag delicate laid. And uh, I do think that it is just di- different people respond to different personalities, right? So maybe Marla isn't a fan of certain personalities that we've interviewed, but there have been other personalities well, that I'm sure that she's enjoyed. There's a, there's a vast ocean of difference between Dr. David Pizarro from Cornell University uh-huh. and Dr. Gleb Sabersky from <laughs> Ohio State. No. Just a, no, just a different delivery style. Yeah. Dave Pizarro, you know, you know he's... Super he's a- not funny. <laughs> just not likable. Listen... They're just different characters. Yeah. That's just, that's all I got to say on that. <laughs> that's just, that's it. For the record. The fuck we need. For the record, we know he's funny and likable, right? Yeah, we know you're kidding. Okay. We just have to we get know. that out of the way. We I mean, Jessica might not know. She probably thinks that you just called him a, a jackass. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm Jessica. kidding, Jessica. Sorry, Jessica. We're fucking kidding. Okay. Goddamn. Mm-hmm. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. All right, let's start with Donald Trump and his taxes. We we didn't address this last week at all, and I should have, but so much was going on. But now this week, it's really going to start hitting. It's going to start hitting the the, the rubber is going to hit the road, as they say. Mm-hmm. Brittany Page. Mm-hmm. Sorry. As they say. I'm filled with beer and whiskey right now. Ugh. And it's I'm I get a little burpy. Yeah. That would that would be expected. Little 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 burpy. Okay. Not good. Mm-hmm. When you're talking into a microphone. Yes. So Steve Mnuchin. Uh, this guy. Have you seen him talk? Yeah, he's a twitchy freak, isn't he? No, I'm nor talking about his mouth when he talks. Have you just watched his mouth? Yes, he's a freak. Um, I mean, I'm not going to go there, but I'll say it's scary. <laughs> You're saying he may have, he may or may not have women bound and gagged in his basement awaiting death at the hands of a serial killer. Is that what you're saying? I'm not saying that. You're not saying that? I'm not saying that. What is it you're saying? I am just saying it's a little... I had to stop the video because I didn't want to watch it anymore. <laughs> That's what happens. So. Well, wait till we get to the Lou Dobbs clip later. And the entire time I'm listening to... Well, we'll get to it then. Anyway, Steve Mnuchin talking about the tax plan, the, the largest tax cut in history and they're bragging about this trying to turn the united states into the state of kansas which is being ruined day after day by kansas governor sam brownback get ready for trumponomics we're returning power back to the people just before he hits 100 days in office, President Trump is unveiling a tax plan that would be a boon to big business and potentially make the deficit go boom. So this is going to be the biggest tax cut and the largest tax reform in the history of our country. And we are committed to seeing this through. The White House tax plan includes what officials are calling tax relief for middle-income families and help with child care costs through the tax code, as well as a massive reduction in the corporate tax rate, which would plummet to 15 percent. 
That tax relief for middle-income families would come in the form of doubling the standard deduction and creating three basic tax rates, while repealing the alternative minimum tax and estate tax, a big break for wealthier Americans. The Trump administration would pay for those cuts by eliminating some deductions, but not on mortgages or charitable giving. Raising the big question raised even by fellow Republicans, just how is the White House going to pay for any of this? Will it pay for itself? Um, Again, I think as we've said, we're working on lots of details as to this. We have over 100 people in the Treasury that have been working on tax and scoring lots of different scenarios. This will pay for itself with growth. During the campaign, then-candidate Trump promised to eliminate the national debt. I will bring our energy companies back. They'll be able to compete. They'll make money. They'll pay off our national debt. They'll pay off our tremendous budget deficits, which are are tremendous. And he slammed President Obama for failing to bring the debt under control. We've doubled our national debt to $20 trillion under President Obama in less than eight years. $10 trillion has been added. Think of it. And we haven't fixed anything. Democrats blasted the White House tax plan as wildly unrealistic. Another example, they say, of providing too little detail about the president's proposals. The fabricator in chief can't talk his way through the next four years. But the White House is offering to make good on one campaign vow, warning that it is now considering withdrawing from NAFTA, the Clinton era free trade agreement with Canada and Mexico that angered so many Trump voters. For the president, that would be a promise fulfilled. And if they don't agree to a renegotiation, then I will submit under Article 2205 of the NAFTA agreement that America intends to withdraw from the deal. So relative to this entire tax situation, I may have gone on and on and on about this in the past, but I'm going to continue to do so. This is why we need to have Donald Trump's tax returns. He's cutting the, the, the tax rate, the effective tax rate for, well, he's cutting the tax rate, the base tax rate for businesses to 15%. The tax rate right now is, is in the 30s, high 30%. But the effective tax rate, after all the deductions and all the bullshit, is about 14%. So what is the effective tax rate on a, on a base tax rate of 15% going to be? We're going to lose money on this deal for sure. But who is benefiting from these tax cuts. How is Donald Trump exactly going to benefit from these tax cuts that he is rushing to put through? We don't know because he hasn't released his goddamn tax returns. Something that's concerning to me is when the campaign was was going on, Trump supporters were very vocal on social networks and appeared to support his policies, although I'm not sure if they could say what his policies were. But now I haven't heard anything from any of those people about Donald Trump's policies. And it makes me wonder if they were really active during the campaign, wanted to get him elected, but didn't really know a lot about politics, didn't really know what it would mean once they elected him. And now... He, He just struck a nerve in them. Right, and now that he is in there he's the president they uh, don't ne- they don't necessarily shut up <laughs> they don't just shut the fuck up they don't necessarily <laughs> care about what he's doing and what it means for their for their lives right because their guy won so that's a little disturbing because i think that if more people were paying attention they would be upset <laughs> yes yeah 
I don't know if it's a lack of ability to understand what's going on. Just basic cognition. I think it's just not paying attention or not wanting to know. Like they did their work to get him in there and then they turned off. Yeah. And then Fox News is telling them everything's great. And so. Right. Yeah, we'll get to that. They believe everything's (laughs) great. Right? For sure. Because this is hard shit to understand. Oh, yeah. It's very complicated. Right. You can't just read one article and understand what's going on. You can't there, a lot in in many ways. You can't read a hundred articles and understand. Yeah, it's very complex, and so you have to dedicate some time to this. If Especially you actually know. related to economic policy and tax policy, right? So this, this shit's way out of my pay grade. Yeah, and so I think that a lot of people that unfortunately, sub- sorry, unfortunately, it's also way out of the pay grade of our Treasury Secretary too. Yeah. <laughs> so I think a lot of the people that supported Trump aren't taking that time to really educate themselves on how this might affect them. For sure. Well, this Saturday, Donald Trump crossed his 100-day mark. And although he has talked in the past about how it was important and he was going to kill it, he was going to perform better than any president in his first 100 days. And then once that wasn't happening, said, ah, the 100-day mark is arbitrary and it's bullshit. It doesn't matter. Well, it passed, and uh, he didn't do so good. Let's take a look at this number. This is important. This is what the president, he laid out, you can find it online if you're a Trump supporter and you don't trust us in the media, he laid out a very detailed 100-day contract, he called it. He promised to get all of these balls in motion. Many of them he said he would get passed. Others he said he would push for. Obamacare, tax reform, border wall funding, infrastructure spending, new trade tariffs, labeling China a currency manipulator, ending the Common Core education standards, 100 days in or one week from 100 days anyway, incomplete at best, none of this, none of this has been done. Calls into question, the president seemed to think that getting this done, which has proven to be quite difficult, he once thought it would be pretty easy. We're going to make America great again. It's going to be easy. It's going to be easy. It's so, it's going to be easy. It's very easy to be presidential. We have drugs, we have debt. We have empty factories. That's going to end. That's going to end. So easy. So easy to solve. Believe me, the jobs are coming back, folks. That's going to be so easy. This is so easy. I want to jumpstart America, and it can be done, and it won't even be that hard. Fucking dumb guy. I mean, really, have we ever seen this level of idiocy? Trump is a dumb, he's a dumb guy. He's a goddamn dumb guy. So I don't know why anyone would have believed someone who says this. This should have been one of the most concerning things that he said because he doesn't have any experience. And so anytime someone who has no experience in something starts telling you how easy it is, you should automatically not trust that person. Well, it's even like with him and Jared Kushner, Mm -hmm. his 30-something son-in-law, he says... If you can't bring peace to the Middle East, <laughs> if you can't, yeah. a guy who's barely in his 30s, <laughs> nobody can do it. It's not even about his age. Are you fucking kidding me? Just look at his life. <laughs> what has his life been? I think in Donald Trump's head, dumb guy Donald Trump, it's, you're a Jew. If you can't do it, nobody can. I, I don't know. Seriously. Yeah, but this should have been one of the most concerning things. So Because everyone knows that being president is hard. That's Of course it's hard. Universal understanding here. 
We're going to get to that, too. I've got a clip for that, too. <laughs> i got a clip for everything today. I'm sure you do. Brittany Page. So let's talk a little bit about the geniuses over at Fox News. Mm-hmm. Sean Hannity oh, and Lou Dobbs. There, seriously, this was a jerk fest 89. S and the D. If only they could have had Donald Trump there so they could have did the, the old double stroke <laughs> on the on the Trump dick. Oh my god. God damn. This is unbelievable. Can you just be careful of the things that you say in terms of visuals that you inflict on people? Only because I did the double jerk. <laughs> what 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 uh Will Farrell would call the the western hand job. Mm-hmm. In his George Bush Broadway show. Perfect. On HBO. Okay, stop doing it because <laughs> I'm having problems. Imagine now. when you were a kid and you gave gave your 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 friend or your sister or your brother an an Indian burn. Yes, that's not politically correct, but an Indian burn on mm-hmm. their arm. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm doing, except on an imaginary penis in my hand. Yep. Brittany is now she won't even, she's refusing to look at me. <laughs> anyway, Sean Hannity and Lou that. Dobbs. Did a little little S uh, of the D. A, yeah, a little a little uh, assembly line jerk off on Donald Trump. He wasn't there, but it was imaginary. <laughs> About his first hundred days. Listen to this ridiculous display. And they are the precious, wonderful, inclusive party. It has something to do, I think, Sean, with uh, who is president, don't you? Uh, the, the number of Democrats, as you say, who supported uh, actually. Hang on. And I, I failed to mention, I wanted to mention this up front. Try to listen to Lou Dobbs without screaming. Clear your fucking throat, Lou Dobbs. The entire time, it's like he's gurgling something. I'm not going to say that know, it's something that came out of Donald Trump. Oh, my God. But there's something in the back of his throat that needs to be cleared. Yeah. Paying some attention to the national sovereignty. Uh, just uh, 10 years ago uh, to about uh, 2009, <laughs> 10, uh, those people are gone. Uh, they are now Schumerites. Uh, they are, you know, the acolytes of the head clown, as President uh, Trump calls him. And they have been clowns. And what I can't understand, actually, Sean, is why anybody takes the left seriously in this country. Uh, I really think the president is in a very good place. He has done more than any president in the la- in recent history, certainly the last <laughs> half century, in the first 98 days of his presidency. And to sit here and to watch, uh, you know, Laura, bless her heart, she's trying to be nice to Paul Ryan. As you know, I never have uh, worked very hard to be. I-, I think the man is absolutely a disaster. He's become a nothing less than a caricature as House Speaker. He's inept, and the conference, if they don't get rid of him, uh, we're going to watch this nonsense go on uh, in perpetuity. I, what's so, Lou, what's so frustrating, I know you have actually called for the Speaker to step down. Absolutely. And one of the few. What's so frustrating is the opportunity that's presented to the country before us to really institute change. You know, we've been going over in this program, I won't put up the list tonight. But all the accomplishments of the president, keeping his promise, checking off his list, he's not perfect, nobody's perfect, but he's done a really good job. Well, he's pretty close to perfect, Sean. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm serious. Everything he's doing on his own, he's doing. He's worked his tail off, still is. Meanwhile, taking care of national defense, national security, and all the challenges that aren't on the Trump agenda. 
I, I mean, it's truly remarkable what he's doing and uh, the credit that he is not receiving for what he's done. But, you know, I think he's in a good place, and I'm inferring from watching him just in the last few days. Uh, he's no longer, you know, he is perfectly willing, if uh, the House is so uh, reticent to do the people's business, then let that fall on the heads of uh, Paul Ryan and his leadership team, because they are absolutely deserving of accountability uh, and, and blame. Uh, is, this there, is, is there a, do you worry about, and maybe this is an artificial... National defense and national security were not on his to-do yeah. list. Not only that, they're giving him props for something that his fuck, it's his job. He's the commander in chief of the armed forces of the United States of America. And he's, oh, and he's even doing that. Oh my God. Let's just, let's just get down and fill our throats until they can't be cleared with his secretion. This is making me very unhappy. Did you hear this part though? But he's done a really good job. Well, he's pretty close promises. to perfect, Sean. <laughs> mm -hmm. Are you, are you kidding me? He's done a really good job. No, 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 no. He's pretty close to perfect, Brittany Page. Are we going to talk about how Donald Trump... What was in his throat? No. Oh. No. How Donald Trump misses his old life because he didn't know this was going to be so much hard work. I loved my previous life. I had so many things going. I, I, I actually... This is more work than in my previous life. I thought it would be easier. I thought it was more of a... I'm a details-oriented person. I think you would say that. But I do miss my old life. This, I like to work, so that's not a problem. But this is actually more work. <laughs> that seems like a guy who's going to do a perfect job. Yeah. And a really hard, hard job. But he's done a really good job. Well, he's pretty close promises. to perfect, Sean. <laughs> Even the way with which Donald Trump was saying that, he, he sounded defeated. D disappointed, for sure. Yeah. This is way harder than I thought. Look, I thought I miss my was old life. Easy. Yeah. I miss my old life. God damn. Sitting on a gold stool eating grapes out of Melania's hands. There's not a chance this fucker eats fresh fruit. <laughs> this is, uh, also, Big Melania Macs, does not get near him. Serving him chicken nuggets like with one of those like grabbers. Yeah. That old people use to reach up on shelves. Yeah. When do you think's the last time? Melania let him touch her, not even sexually, just in any way. I don't know. When I when I hear Melania talk, I don't hear that gurgly sound like I do from Lou Dobbs. So probably a long time. So that was really good, but I'm not going to laugh at it because <laughs> I don't want to encourage. I don't really get what's going further. on here, but uh, I really liked how she was speaking into that microphone. Yeah, we, we get it. You don't want to encourage that kind of lash, flash, fall flashback okay <laughs> what is happening next what's ha is this a hashtag third episode no no what was the hashtag that we were saying hashtag third episode okay yeah so next up is listen the republican party has long been the party of the constitution the rule of law the understanding of strict constructionism we literally read the words of the constitution and that is how we should interpret it well, Donald Trump went on a tirade about how a lot of the reason he's not getting a lot of what he wants done done is because of the archaic rules that he's bound by 
both constitutionally, but also the Senate rules. But also, like I said, the Constitution of the United States. Uh, we don't have a lot of closers in politics, and I understand why. It's a very rough system. It's, a, it's an archaic system. You look at the rules of the Senate, even the rules of the House, but the rules of the Senate and some of the things you have to go through, it's, it's really a bad thing for the country, in my opinion. They are archaic rules. And maybe at some point we're going to have to take those rules on because for the good of the nation, things are going to have to be different. You can't go through a process like this. It's not fair. Uh, it forces you to make bad decisions. I mean, you're really forced into doing things that you would normally not do except for these archaic rules. So, Okay, so now the comments that we talked about last time that he made about Kim Jong-un really make sense because he's shitting on the constitutional checks and balances right. that he has to deal There's with. There's limitations to his power. And it's really bad for the country that he has those, those checks and balances. They're really bad. A lot of this is courts can knock down his executive orders Related to the Muslim bans. Mm -hmm. He doesn't like that. Yeah. Also, I just love that a Republican president is saying that it's an archaic system and the Constitution is getting in his way. He just appointed Neil Gorsuch to the Supreme uh, Court. That is an awesome point. There's always this debate, right? Are you going to take the traditionalist view of the Constitution? Or are you going to view it as a, a document that's always evolving and can change? Right. right? You, you've got your strict constructionists and loose constructionists. And it's do you literally what the words are or is, like you said, the Constitution a living, breathing document yeah. that is, it evolves. Yes. And, for our time. <laughs> and Donald Trump apparently... Wants it to evolve. Yeah, of course. Well, or just be gone right. altogether. So does does he know that Neil Gorsuch doesn't feel that way? I really would love to know how Republicans are going to react to that statement. Yeah. That is a remarkable disrespect-filled statement from a president of the United States. A man who rose his right hand and swore to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Little did the Republican Party know he was the enemy to the Constitution, as evidenced by his words right now. Mm -hmm. Disgusting. Speaking of Kim Jong-un, though, Brittany Page, he sat down and he did an interview with Dickerson. They spend a, a wide-ranging interview. This is about three minutes of it. It's really good because Donald Trump says a bunch of dumb stuff. So I'm going to pause it about in the middle. But he gets to, to Kim Jong-un, and it is just about as tasty and dumb guy as you would imagine. Good morning and welcome to Face the Nation. I'm John Dickerson on this 101st day of the Trump administration. We begin with our wide-ranging interview with the president, taped yesterday in the Roosevelt Room at the White House. We asked him about the news that North Korea had fired yet another test missile late last week, how he has changed his thinking on China, and what he has learned in his first 100 days in office. Mr. President, you and the administration said to North Korea, don't test a missile. They have tested a missile. Is the pressure not working? Well, I didn't say don't test him. He's going to have to do what he has to do. But he understands mm -hmm. we're not going to be very happy. And I will tell you, a man that I've gotten to like and respect, the president of China, President Xi, 
I believe, has been putting pressure on him also. But so far, perhaps nothing's happened, and perhaps it has. This was a small missile. This was not a big... Perhaps, perhaps something hasn't happened. Perhaps it has. Wow, it's definitive information from the leader of the free world. Thank I, you, Donald Trump. I also love that he said he's he's not going to be happy. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. He's not also, going to be happy. This was not a nuclear test, which he was expected to do three days ago. Uh, we'll see what happens. You say not happy. What does that mean? I would not be happy <laughs> if he does a nuclear test. Oh, shit. I will not be happy. And oh. I can tell you also, I don't believe that the president of China who is a China. very respected man, will be happy either. Not happy mean military action? I don't know. I mean, we'll see. The Chinese are allies, have been allies with North Korea. How are you sure that they're not using this as a way to test you? You can never be sure of anything, can you? But I developed a very good relationship. I don't think they want to see a destabilized North Korea. I don't think they want to see it. They certainly don't want to see nuclear on, you know, from their neighbor. They haven't liked it for a long time. But we'll have to see what happens. Uh, the relationship I have with China, it's been already acclaimed as being something very special, something very different than we've ever had. You're claiming that. It's already been claimed at that. You're the one claiming that. No one's claiming it's super special, you fucking cake-eating dick face. But again, uh, you know, we'll find out whether or not President Xi is able to affect change. Why do these I hope he is. Why do these missiles keep blowing up? Well, I'd rather not discuss it, but perhaps they're just not very good missiles, but eventually he'll have good missiles. You don't want to discuss it because maybe we have something to do with it. I just don't want to discuss it. And I think you know me very well where you've asked me many times over the last couple of years about military. I said we shouldn't be announcing we're going into Mosul. I said we shouldn't be announcing all our moves. It is a chess game. I just don't want people to know what my thinking is. So uh, <laughs> eventually he will have a better delivery system. And if that happens, we can't allow it to happen. Wait, what? Wait, 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 what? And if that happens, we can't allow that to happen. Brittany, if you walk, I can't allow you to walk. Wait, you, you, but you walked. Yeah. I can't. We're, we know what's happening over there. Well, I love that he said we he doesn't want us to know what he's thinking. We don't know what he's thinking anyway. Language is the way we determine like someone's <laughs> style of cognition and it's very disorganized in that head, right? Because the words that are coming out. Right. Trump doesn't even fucking know what he's thinking. I don't other than you won't like me when I'm angry. I don't know what the point of what he's saying is. It's just general stream of consciousness at all times for this and fucking And then guy. he John Dickerson asks him, "What does that mean?" that you you won't like me when I'm angry. What are you saying? Does that mean military action? He's like, I don't know. He's just so flippant about it. Yeah. We're talking about nuclear war. Yeah, we're, this we're is serious. About, we're talking about war with a nuclear power. Yeah. Something that hasn't happened for Jesus. Maybe ever. Well, also, wasn't hit the whole point of him um, getting elected and the things that he talked about at his inaugural speech, wasn't it all about giving the power back to the people yeah. and giving them insights into what the government's doing? And now, nope. Yeah. No, White House log shut down. I don't like to talk about what's going on in my head. I, I like everybody just to live on the seat of their pants. Yeah. This is a serious issue. We'd like a little bit of just some deets. Yeah, 360 million Americans' lives hang in the balance, you fucking mook.
What do you make of the North Korean leader? I have, I really, you know, have no comment on him. Uh, people are saying, is he sane? I have no idea. I can tell you this, and a lot of people don't like when I say it, but he was a young man of 26 or 27 when he took over from his father, when his father died. Uh, he's dealing with obviously very tough people, in particular the generals and others. And at a very young age, he was able to assume power. A lot of people, I'm sure, tried to take that power away, whether it was his uncle or anybody else. And he was able to do it. So obviously, he's a pretty smart cookie. But uh, we have a situation. He's a smart cookie, Brittany Page. I like for my presidents to not use phrases like smart cookie. Well, especially about ruthless, brutal, murderous dictators. That would be that would be even better. So Chuck Schumer, minority leader in the Senate, is the head clown who gets zero praise, zero compliments from our president. But Kim Jong-un, a murderous dictator who we very well could be at war with, is a smart cookie. He's getting praise all day long. But political opponents get berated and name-called by this president. I also heard that Kim Jong-un is actually not a smart cookie. <laughs> because, no, I'm being serious. When he was at um, in college. In Switzerland. Yeah. He was not smart. He was not at the top of his class. He was not doing well. Also used to brag a lot about the huh. family from which he came. Wow. And I wonder who that's like. He ate a lot of Swiss cheese, I heard. Oh, really? Which is interesting. Not, Swiss cheese is pretty good. Was it on Big Macs and Nuggets and stuff and KFC like Donald Trump? Because there's a lot of parallels there <laughs> that you just named that could have been Donald Trump. Yeah, that's true. It just said Swiss cheese. I don't know. That's a weird That's a weird little nugget of information to have. Yep. Now it's in my brain forever. Lover of Swiss cheese, mm -hmm. Kim Jong-un. Yep. Smart cookie. <laughs> All right. Well, it's the asshole of today. Randy Weber, Representative, Texas Congressman. Mm -hmm. Randy Weber. Yeah. Gave. That's what I said, right? Randy Weber? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. But I wanted to let everybody know he's a Texas congressman. Yeah. Elected to Congress. Mm -hmm. They had some kind of a ceremony in Statuary Hall, which is just off of the rotunda in the Capitol. It is the black and white checkered marble giant hall where the House of Representatives used to be, not to go into a history lesson about it, but it's where all the statues are, if you've ever been there. And they're having some kind of service, and he gets called up to pray. And he gives about a two and a half minute prayer or something, which you're going to hear in a minute. It's pretty long for a prayer. Yeah, a little, little long for a prayer. I but, think I would definitely fall asleep in that moment. But of time. also, he he does a lot of like crying. You're gonna <laughs> you're not gonna know that it's fake just by hearing it. Although I've watched the video and I would encourage you to do so too. It's fucking fake. I did see. I watched the video and I didn't think it was fake oh, the first time I watched it. It's fake. So I was surprised when you said that. It's fake. 
I would challenge anybody to, to to give me reasons why it's real. Body language body language expert Jesse Dollimore will be appearing on the O'Reilly podcast next week. Wow, Everybody. that's kind of a shitty shitty little move there. Mm-hmm. Here is a shitty little prayer from Representative <laughs> Randy Weber about begging for forgiveness from God relative to the sins of America. Representative Randy Weber, Texas. Let us pray. Almighty God, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy name. Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth here in the halls of Congress. Plagiarized. In our nation's capital. <laughs> Lord, may your will be done. Father, you said if we would confess our sins one to another, you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, I, you also said that you would heal from heaven and hear from heaven and heal our land. Lord, I'm confessing, but just several of the sins our nation has been so emboldened to embark upon. Father, you say in your word that your word, the, the man who meditates on your word is like a mighty oak tree. Blessed is he if he meditates on it daily. But Lord, we have endeavored to try to kick your word out of public schools. Father, we have endeavored to kick, take the Bible out of classrooms, the Ten Commandments off the walls. Oh, First Amendment of the Constitution, ch- separation of church and state. So I did not know that we were going to listen to this whole thing. When oh, does, no, we're listening. When does the crying start? Right now. Lord, forgive us. Father, we think we're so smart. We've replaced <laughs> your word and your precepts with drug-sniffing dogs, with metal detectors, what? with uniformed police officers in our schools. Oh, Lord, forgive us. Oh, Lord. Father, we've trampled on your institution, holy institution of holy matrimony and tried to rewrite what it is, and we've called it an alternate lifestyle. Father, oh, Father, please, please forgive us. <laughs> Lord, we have gone to killing the most innocent amongst us. Your servant Moses warned in Deuteronomy 30:19 for us to choose life so that we and all our descendants might live. Father, we're killing our descendants and we're calling it a choice. Oh God in heaven, forgive us, please. Lord, we've even disregarded the wisdom of Solomon. Lord, the wisdom of the Proverbs where you say the slave will be bar- will be the borrower will be slave to the lender. Twenty trillion dollars in debt. Nations have to be laughing at us. Father Abraham Lincoln said that we have forgotten to pray to the one that made us. Lord, forgive our sins. Father, help us. Help us to get back on your precepts, on your path to a true understanding of blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Lord, let that please be us. Don't remove your hand of protection from us, Father, please. Lord, forgive us our manifold sins. and your great mercy, bring us back to you. Father, I beg of you. I plead with you. In Jesus' holy name, amen. See, we had, we had very different reactions to this because you think he's fake crying and you laughed. Yeah. I think that it's real crying, and I feel very bad for this person. If it is real crying, which I do do not believe it is, I believe he's, he's fucking faking. 
if it is, I I should have your reaction. Yeah, and that it's alarming that he really believes. Well, I just I I feel bad for him. I think that he genuinely believes these things, mm. and I don't know if they're genuine tears. I don't know, but he. Well, I am a certified body language expert. Right. Brittany Page. And it's, <laughs> again, it's. By the way, anybody who works for CNN or Fox News out there, if you want to hire me to come on as a consultant for your show, mm-hmm. Jesse Dollimore, certified body language expert. It's one of those things where once you kind of like belief in God, right? You can't just flip the switch back on and believe again. Yeah. With, with uh, marriage equality. They genuinely believe that this is an abomination, this is a sin, mm-hmm. that it's taking the country off course, and I just see it as love, and I don't care, don't think anyone else should care, it's another relationship, stop worrying about it. Right. And he <laughs> is begging the Lord to give him forgiveness because to give us forgiveness, all of well, us collectively. Listen, then maybe he shouldn't have taken the same oath that the president took and that I took when I joined the Marine Corps, that he's going to swear to to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Hence, not putting Bibles in schools, not putting Korans in schools, not putting other religious texts in schools. It's our Constitution. He swore he gave his oath to do so and now apparently he wants a fucking theocracy Mm -hmm. that's a problem it is a problem maybe he should go into the ministry and get out of politics yeah that's what i'm saying was that music put on the video or was i just hearing that while somebody's playing piano oh there was like a little ceremony they had like chairs and there was one dude really full-on crying in the crowd we're going to put the video on the Facebook page. The piano player thought it was just going to be a 10-second prayer, you know, like a normal prayer. And he only knew that 10-second <laughs> <ten> little <laughs> section of music. So he had to keep replaying it over and yes. over again. Yes. Well, listen, we are going to leave you there. However, let me say this. this we're back to hashtag two episodes. Second episode. <laughs> a normal week here. But we would love for you to partner with us to help us move the conversation forward like we have over the course of over 300 episodes. If you would like to, if you're in a position to help us out financially, we would greatly appreciate it. You can go to dollamore.com slash PayPal or dollamore.com slash Patreon. We love you guys. We appreciate you. And we will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. Douche chill.